Welcome into the Grass Cutter Social Club, a social club for the everyman. If you've ever wondered what three average guys and maybe that other random dude are buzzing about after the lawns are all mowed, this is the spot for you. Now here are your hosts, Branko, Burl, and Ron. Alright guys, here we are back. We're episode 5, we've got inductee. Number four, we got Branco and Ron holding it down with me again. Thanks, boys. How you boys doing? Real great. Doing very well. Good man. How are you? I'm doing real well. But but hold the phone. We got we got Steven locking it down. You guys, it's it's eight thirty at night when we're recording. This guy's so committed. He's doing it from work. Steven, buddy, how are you tonight? <laughs> I'm doing great. I can't believe you guys are at five episodes. That's incredible. I'm uh, super happy to be here and, and, you know, happy to help and support the, the cause and, and I'll try to bring some enthusiasm. I, I love it. We're, we're just as surprised, Steve. We're just as surprised as you. Yeah. So. To be honest, yeah. uh, we're going to run out of friends soon. So I'm sure that'll flatline this whole, uh, this whole, no, you got 30, 40 friends to, to jump in here. Let, let's hope, let's hope they keep coming out of the woodwork. Yeah, that puts us all the way to 2025. So that should be your next appearance. <laughs> <laughs> that, that'll that'll work out well for us. Uh, yo, uh, Ron has ripped apart his house. I'm assuming you're mm-hmm. barbecuing, eh, Ron? Survive? Yeah, just about as much as I can. So you got the kitchen yeah. gutted, and you got the barbecue rolling, and you're just trying to thrive and survive. Frank's buddy. What's up, baby? You mentioned. You were out of town and uh, and ripping around all over the place. Where you been lately? Yeah, we went. Me and my wife went to Chicago for our one year anniversary, and uh, like I mentioned to you guys in, in our in my spotty uh, spotty call for our production show, uh, I saw a who's who of famous uh, athletes that uh, because I have no other deducible skills but i am really good at spotting uh professional athletes uh, in the wild so it was it was a hilarious uh it was a hilarious um kind of uh, who's who of people i saw but the trip was great i should say first before i get into all the famous sightings um chicago is an awesome city uh i know everybody on this call has been there in one time or another uh but yeah, it's such a treat and such an accessible city in terms of like walking or biking places. Uh, they have like great waterfront and whatnot. And uh, yeah, just a good time. But yeah. Uh, Who'd you saw, see? Yeah, saw a bunch of hockey players. Saw Chris Tanev, I think, at Pearson Airport. And then in Chicago, um, after the, the baseball game we went to, we had dinner at this place called... Uh, Oh my God. It's like Christie's or something. It's got like a single name, but it's like kind of on a rooftop. And we saw a bunch of the Cleveland relievers up there just having some beers late night on, on Friday night. And then uh, I also saw Mike Bibby on our walk home, former. Mike Bibby. Yeah. He's jacked. Oh, he's humongous. And I knew exactly who he was, but he's super jacked. And, and he stood out to me and he played on those. Sacramento teams in the early 2000s that I loved because it had all the Serbian players on them. And I wanted to say something to him, but I was like, this guy's on vacation. Like, I'm not bothering this guy. And then Ron, and and Ryan, I mentioned this to you and Steve, I mentioned this to them, but the last person I saw was in our hotel. 
I was going down to get coffee in the morning while my wife was still asleep. <laughs> and I go into the elevator and as the door opens, I take one look at this guy and immediately I knew who it was. And it was AJ Brzezinski, <laughs> former catcher for the for the Chicago White Sox. Wow. Just just head down buried in his wow. candy crush was just not taking his eye off it. Like, and I wasn't going to say anything to him because he seemed, he seems as much of a curmudgeon as he, as he was when he was like a, a baseball player. So anyways, it was good, good, good trip. Good, good little, uh, good little, uh, you know, sightings that we saw, but yeah, like it was a who's who of, uh, you know, athlete celebrity type people that I would only, my, my discerning eye would catch, I guess. <clears throat> That, that's awesome, Brinks. Like, when Steve and I were there, when Steve and I were there, the poor bastard had me on life support. So we didn't <laughs> get to really, like, experience Wrigleyville to its to its absolute fullest. He was dragging a corpse around with him for most of the afternoon. So we were both corpses. But, Branko, your memory recall for these athletes is incredible. Like, I, there's no way I could spot a single one from a crowd. And you're just pulling out these characters. That's That's amazing. Like how you how you that is a talent. Yeah, when I, yeah, for sure. When I look back I on my like, life when I'm like seventy or whatever, that'll be a, a feather in my cap. <laughs> Saying I saw these random athletes in random places. But we did when we went to Phoenix all together, we saw the whole Pittsburgh Pirates crew and that was pretty fun too. Um although some of us went to some people went to bed and some people kept partying. So I guess that was the trade off. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I watch a lot of sports and it's, it's always interesting to see them, but I always give them the space. Like I'm not going up there and like asking for signatures or looking to talk to them. It's just kind of, kind of cool to see. But see, Franks, that's what I like. I feel like Mike Bibby would appreciate a shout out. Like you're not going to ask for his signature, but he's been long retired. Like I bet he's not expected to get recognized at all. Dude, probably, I, probably make there's sense. tons of these situations, like after the fact that I'm like, oh, I regret not saying something, and I definitely regret not saying to him because he would have. I, I think he would have appreciated it. But they were like right on, like off Michigan Avenue at that, like one of the bridges across the Riverwalk, and like doing the sightseeing photos. And it's like you know, it's like Friday of a long weekend. It's like millions oh. of people just walking, you know, like, and it, it was, it was like right at the edge of the like bridge. So it was like a sidewalk. So it was, it was kind of a bottleneck. I didn't want to like make it, make a scene, you know, and I'm so big and loud. Like other people might've said something. I don't know. So I just given him the guy, his, his peace and quiet, yes. but all it is to say is it, it was a fun trip to Chicago. Did lots of things, ate our way through Chicago. Like I, my belly was swollen each and every day. And, um, yeah, just highly recommend to, for anybody if they're looking for a little quick vacation. Uh, Chicago is a fun city. Yeah, I think I think Steve would probably agree. Like, it's one of the best cities to eat and then walk. So you literally just like you eat and then you walk to somewhere else and then you eat again and then you walk again. Yeah, you just keep going. You just keep cycling through that for the whole day. I mean, so you pass out. Yeah, I mean, it's really like, like, and there's so much, like, you can't actually do everything. You kind of have to pick your battles and what you want to do. But yeah, there's tons to see. And compared to Toronto, where I I lived, like, 
the the waterfront is so beautiful and so usable like the beaches are like nice and and they comb them and like the water's swimmable and uh there's so much of it like the whole like we we kind of bike from downtown towards the north side and me you know maybe it was like 15 minutes worth on the 15 20 minutes worth on the water and it's just like beach as far as the eye can see and like it's all good like it's, it's not like toronto toronto's is like you know you have uh the island maybe and some other spots but it's pretty you know tough to find some good spots there so in in that sense it's it's a little bit better but um yeah so be it Branks, i never i was just gonna say Branks, i never realized that the water was swimmable yeah no i saw tons of people yeah yeah because you know in toronto like <clears throat> the, the between the island and and the city like you don't swim in there and then everything like past the island you can go swim there and it's probably fine but then like if you think about kind of if you go west or east of that kind of central area there's not really beaches to go swimming there and probably wouldn't be a good spot to do it um whereas chicago like well, i don't know maybe i'm wrong maybe maybe that's why i didn't see like a ton of people in certain places but it just i just got the impression that it was quite clean and it looked quite excessive no we we went swimming there on one ball trip i don't remember when but we went down to the beach and it was huge yeah and yeah it was really awesome like and then a, a NASCAR awesome. race going on, which was also added to the craziness. I think I might have mentioned that, but it was like mm. the first time they had a race, and it was like a like one of the street circuits ran. Um, apparently, apparently, oh, like they the the NASCAR offered to like repave a bunch of the like uh, lakeshore, like the the road that's on the water, so they could have the race. And apparently, everybody, all the locals were like griping about it because the traffic's been absolutely brutal in the city because they've closed all these like main arteries into the, the downtown core. So, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Karens come out whenever somebody wants to have a little. Piece <laughs> yeah. <of fun>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's big city living, man. Like there's, it's all, there's it's constant infrastructure upgrades and, you know, it, it's never ending. No matter what city you live in, there's always in the summers, especially in Canada because of the winter climates. Uh, they they can only do so much in the winter. So as soon as the weather turns, they're just, you know, infrastructure prog projects, sidewalks, roads, like whatever. Main, but what is it? Uh, water mains. When, when those always happen, that just like grinds everything to a halt. So, yeah, it's endless. But yo, Steve, you uh, you had us all over at Ron's to lift the beam up. I didn't realize like when's your Wales trip coming up. You got that like coming up in the next week or yeah, two. Yeah, leaving what? leaving in three Saturdays, July 29th. So it's going to be oh. three weeks in Wales, and I'm looking forward to it. That's that's kind of what one of the pushes for getting Ron's place done early, just getting it out of the way so I can you know pack up and get ready to go. But mm. I was just chatting with uh, some family on Facebook recently, kind of like planning out um, what we're going to be doing and what the gatherings are. And my mom has like a long extended family there, kind of her parents generation so my grandparents were born there um and then much of that generation has kind of passed away but that left like a number of kids and cousins and second cousins to my mom so my mom kind of goes every 10 years and it's going to be a big trip so two three weeks there and seeing family and grandfather's hometown grandmother's hometown 
um, just kind of really special stuff like that. So, oh, nice. Yeah. yeah, that is sweet, Steve. Yeah, um, and, have you been there before? Yeah, we went in 2013, kind of similar to this, uh, but just my mom, my sister, older sister, and uh, younger brother. And then this year, uh, it's extended. So my older sister's coming, uh, her husband, two girls, my younger, our younger brother's coming, my older brother, uh, his wife, uh, as well as my aunt. Um, and then, uh, so there's 11 in total. So with my mom, so. Are you guys going to rent a house or what? Yeah, we have this amazing like cottage place in Abergavenny, which is just north of Cardiff, about an hour's north of Cardiff. That's the big town in Wales or big city. Um, and that's, that's, you know, five minutes out from my grandfather's, uh, kind of hometown area. Um, Sweet. so it was, it was good. It should be pretty special. And we were trying to host like a big family gathering on that first Sunday. So the, the 6th of, uh, August. And so we're just planning that out and, you know, sending the messages to 20, 30 people to see what we uh, <laughs> can conjure up. Exciting times, man. Hopefully the weather's going to be good in Wales oh, in the yeah, summer. Yeah. I don't know what, what sort of the, the typical, uh, weather is there, but I can't imagine it's like too hot. Well, they've, they've had like, I don't know if it's like climate change or whatever, but they're getting warmer. <laughs> so the houses don't have air conditioning, but it's like, it could be 25, 30 degrees there. Oh my God. Um, but because we're in the, the like national park mountainous regions, it's a little bit cooler at night, but it still gets okay. hot during the day. Okay. And like, how far are you from like Wales is kind of on that, that East coast of the UK, at least that main part. Right. So like how close are you to the Atlantic? Like, are you still like a drive to the beach sort of thing? It's, it's actually, it's, it's, it's the West okay. coast of the Island. Uh, but yeah, they, the Atlantic will be an hours away and I'm sure a couple of the days we'll make our way to the coast. Um, there's a couple of nice cities, beach cities like Swansea and Tenby, um, that we'll try to, to hit up. They got like, they're, they're different beaches. They're like, uh, rock beaches, not super like Sandy, like you'd imagine like a Caribbean beach, but more, uh, a little bit rugged. So like smooth rocks type of, uh, beaches. So, and I think Tenby has one of the sand beaches and that's a really nice area, but there's a very touristy, uh, kind of location Uh, what a great trip man that'll be so memorable with your whole gang there too your mom's just gonna eat it up oh my god yeah that was good yeah absolutely thanks it's gonna be great Uh, and driving on the wrong side of the road you know (laughs) the right hand drive cars that'll that'll add a little bit to the uh yeah did you guys rent a fleet of cars with all that crew going holy (laughs) or are you driving the bus yeah you're gonna take the the helm no no my uh well actually my my grandmother's family is a bus driving company out there but no they offered once but uh we're going to be individual cars so me and my brother got you know a small compact and we drive manual so there's no no concern and my my older sister who doesn't drive manual had to search long and hard for an automatic oh my god very expensive too that's really funny because we were we were talking here literally what last night or two nights ago at ball about how a bunch of the guys can't drive a manual because it's just all automatics here. So it's the, I guess, kind of the opposite as to, to what's over there, right? Yeah, the manual's kind of dying out in North America. I, I found like I'm looking for a new car or have been for the last year or two and everything that was offered in manual is kind of gone automatic only unless you're getting oh, like a sports car. Steve, are so. you driving manual with your left hand? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Have you ever done that before? <laughs> I have, yeah, yeah, 10 years ago. 
and but the gearbox is the same so like the, the clutch one, is on the same side you know you still clutch is on the same side okay yeah all right so but you're grabbing the, with your the stick hand. with your left hand oh, instead okay. of your right i think yeah. you can handle that but i think if you switched everything around the pedals and oh fuck i'd be totally screwed but it was a little bit of a transition like the 10 years ago when i was driving the first day i hit a curb at like <laughs> 40 or 60 kilometers an hour and my sister my sister was like what are you what are you doing i'm like i don't know and she's like you've been riding this side all day it's like well i can't tell where the left side of this car is like I, i'm completely messed up here. that's really funny you know what I feel like, Steve, is like you'd be. I, I feel like if I drove in the city, it wouldn't be bad because you see other cars. But I feel on the open road, you'd be driving and be like, "Oh shit, am I on the right side right now?" Like you kind of spook yourself. Yeah. Like I feel like I'd forget, you know. And then there's roundabouts like every five kilometers. Like here in North America, we have the traditional like overpass or underpass. They mm -hmm. have everything is roundabout, so it's all level. You're 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 coming like people yeah, yeah. against you on a highway even at speeds it's nuts Man. yeah that, that is a that would be a strange experience because like the last time we did a big road trip over in europe see i think the car everything was on the right side right germany yeah everything yeah yeah, yeah. drive the, the yeah so we didn't have to deal with that switch over hmm. all right guys should we get into this that was that was great yeah let's do it, let's do it. what we're talking about for our uh, our little sports segment today is we're talking about holding it together because sometimes I'm going to be honest guys I wake up in the morning and this morning I woke up with a sore neck from sleeping wrong and like then my back is sore because you know I've slept wrong as well and it's just like you stand up and you crack and pop and, and it's just how do I hold it together so that we can do the stuff that we love right like baseball it's not about the ball it's not about the competition we play division four men's baseball in a small market area like it's about the beers in the parking lot and the camaraderie, but you still have to hold it together. Cause like some of us are being duct taped with, uh, with bubble gum and elastic bands to, to get through our season. So I guess the question is like, what are you guys doing either in the off seasons to, to stay in shape, to, to just keep the motor going a little bit. And then, you know, what are you guys looking forward to when those seasons come up? Cause like Steve, I know you're, you're playing men's hockey with your work crew and then Branks, you just picked up hockey and then we've all got golf here and there. And Branks, I don't know if you're cycling with a couple of guys, you've been talking about it with some of your friends down there, but, but yeah, it's kind of like, how do you hold it together so that we can do the fun things that we still want to do, but we're not 20 anymore, you know? Well, for me, uh, I try not to play, uh, baseball sounds rough on the body. Like I remember obviously playing with you guys while I still lived in Ottawa and like, you get the odd, like kind of like pains here and there, but that was, you know, for me, that was almost 10 years ago. So it's a long time ago since I played and now I find a lot less, it takes a lot less for me to be sore and in pain. Hockey is sort of like low impact ish. Uh, but somehow I can manage it. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's harder. I, I do a lot more stretching and I know I've talked to Ron a lot about this in regards to golf, but just a lot of, um, just like a mobilization and, uh, like turning and twisting and nothing, nothing with weight, just like kind of just stretching it all out. Uh, there's like an active stretch I do for 10 minutes a day, usually, 
whether I work out or not, uh, that's kind of been key. And like, I feel a lot more limber and I really should also try to stand more while I work, but I sit and they, they say, I've heard a few people tell me this already that the sitting is the new smoking. So I always try to remind myself to not do that, but yeah. Uh, stretch stretching. That's all I can say, but I've managed to miss out on some of these bigger injuries that some of some of the other guys have gotten. I don't know about you, Steve or Ron, what are you guys doing these days? Oh, Branks, I'm, I'm kind of like you, like I, you know, I, I'm thinking about it. I'm, I'm concerned, but uh, like, as we age, everything gets older and, and we're not even that old, but there's been a huge, <laughs> huge change in 10 years. Like one of the things that always pops in my mind was uh, when I started at my current job here, one of the the older guys was like, you got to stay active in your thirties. And then once you get into your thirties, you'll make your forties, fifties, and you'll stay active because it's like setting those behaviors. And so, you know, I'm not much of a stretcher, but I do go to the gym, you know, try to go once a week. I used to go two, three times a week, but, but I can't keep up with that kind of time, time demand. Um, and then Ryan, like you said, I, I, I love playing hockey. Yeah. You know, it used to be different when I was playing hockey with the guys, like all you guys here. Um, but now I've been playing men's league with just a, a random group of, and they're, they're good guys. I've been there two, three years now. Um, actually my brother's playing with us, uh, now this year he's playing, he plays summer hockey as well, but, um, yeah, so look forward to the, the, uh, the hockey in the winter and then baseball, like you said, is just, it's hard. It's the, the high impact, a lot of running, a lot of heavy twisting, you know, putting those knees up in the air, pushing back when you're trying to steal a base, like. You don't do those things every day and i don't know maybe i should do more stretching because i kind of feel like my legs a little bit like of a bionic leg when i play baseball i have this brace i have a compression sock i have these like compression shorts on trying to just hold this thing together that doesn't blow apart but <laughs> what about you ron yeah. what do you think yeah i feel the same way like in your 20s you're lifting weights and everything's fine like you're well oiled you know to say it say it put it that way but then in your thirties, like I found, um, on my first parental leave, I started doing yoga and I had the, my best baseball season ever. It was like 2016. And it just, it was like a revelation that I didn't do any weightlifting. I just tried to get more flexible and I had the best results ever, but I find like, it's, it's hard to just exercise without a goal. Like again, in your twenties, you know, you know, you want to look good. It's easy to go to the gym, but that changes and you kind of have to have new goals and things like that. And like, it's like the Kenny powers thing. I'm not trying to be the best at exercising. So it's like, I have to, ha I do that for like a sport. Like, you know, you set goals in baseball. It could even just be trying to play every game or like be ready to go every game or golf, which is like my new kind of passion that way. Like I can, you know, it could be the middle of December and I'm going to do some stretching and I'm going to do some things like this because I want to get better at something later on for the summer. So I don't know. I found a huge, huge change with just trying to, and I don't do it a lot and I wish I did it more, but even just a little bit, I find can have huge gains with that kind of thing. I mean, like speaking of goals, God, I like you guys know, I've been off for a couple of months now and I, I went through my closet the other day just to like organize some summer cleaning sort of thing. I put on a couple of shirts and they are toyed. Like, <laughs> so my, my, 
on the biceps, right? Yeah, well, yeah, oh, sure, sure. Let's stick with that for our uh, female listeners. They can imagine me bursting the biceps <laughs> on these dress shirts. But uh, no, it was like alarm bells, like emergency situation. Ryan, you don't fit into your work clothes for September. So so right now it's like, okay, I've, I've been jumping on the bike. I've been sending Steve some pictures the last couple of weeks of trying to get on the bike, you know, three, four days a week and, and go for a rip just because it's so low impact, right? And at least it uh, it gets me sweating, gets me hot and, and makes me feel like I've done something and then I've started doing a few little strength things here or there next to the pool because it's easy, you know, once you get a little bit of a sweat on to just roll in and cool off. So lazy man's mm. lazy man's gym, just uh, just poolside. But mm. yeah, I think to be honest, my goal is to just make sure I, I don't get to the point where I have to buy an entire new wardrobe <laughs> comes September. Yeah. So uh, that's my goal at the moment. But yeah, I do find... Branks, you are 100% right. And like Steve and Ron both mentioned it, baseball is hard on the body. Like it is, it's just so many stops and starts and sprints. And like, I think the issue is, and you guys can, can either attest to this or I'll be curious to see what you say, because I, I've told Megan, like, I don't know what happens when I get to the point where I physically can't compete at the same level, because that's my problem is my compete. I can't turn my compete level down, right? So like I run full speed and I jump here and there and I dive for balls or I'm laying out because like my compete level is like, I just want to do the best that I can for the guys that I'm playing with, right? It doesn't matter Mm -hmm. if I make every play, but I'm still going to do the best that I can. But at some point, right? The reality is, especially with a, a game like baseball, your body can't keep up with the best you want to do and it starts to break down. So like, have you guys found it easy or like, cause Branks and Steve, you guys are talking about playing men's league hockey. Do you guys turn that compete level way down and you're just sort of out there for a skate and you're going to make plays when no Branko's shaking his head. Look at the grip. No, you're going to, you're going to get hurt. You're going to get hurt more trying to be in your head, thinking about doing something different. Like that's when you're really going to, hurt yourself, you know, I don't know, you could separate your shoulder, sliding into home, you could tear a quad, sliding into second. These things could happen to anybody, you know. If <laughs> yeah, trying... listen to you just name name off my major injuries for the last like, three years. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, exactly what I needed on this uh, for Megan to hear. The only way to turn it off is to not do it, I feel like. Because I, I didn't play hockey for the two years during the pandemic that it was, like, kind of bad or whatever. Yeah. And that was a way to, like, not do that. But as soon as I got back into it, like, this, like this, the same old passion and fire in my belly, like, came back and just wanted to compete. Maybe even, like, more so because I'm older and all the kids are, like, way younger and just, like obviously much more skilled and faster. So you got to make it up with fucking guile and aggression. Uh, (laughs) So that definitely is the case. But then also, Ryan, you can switch to golf. Golf is is like competitiveness turned all the way down. It's like polite competitiveness. But the mentals. In terms of like... More mentals. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about you. Like, but you can, you don't have to like sacrifice like some golf specific workouts nothing major but just like exercises tailored for golf and i it i can't say for sure that it's helped but like i don't feel as sore after 
and I don't feel sore sitting or any of those things. So the like the core exercises in general, I feel better in recovery. I still I'm tired, but I just don't feel the soreness the days after. And so I've been trying to keep up with it and do it like, you know, two or three times a week. I'll go run up to the gym during lunch for 20 minutes. I can do it all in 20, 25 minutes. And uh, no guarantees I'm going to shoot better scores, but I definitely feel better. And I'm hoping this winter when I play hockey again to bring this uh, the same sort of warm up to, to hockey and, and I'm doing a little bit of biking. I don't, I don't go on the open roads, but I'll just go bike on, on a, on a spin bike and just try to sweat it out to try to try to get that heart rate up. Cause I find that's the best part about hockey is that it just really gets your heart rate going. You get a good sweat in and you feel great after, uh, and the beers taste extra good. So, um, uh, in the summers, it's a lot harder to do that. And I find the bike is the closest thing that replicates that sort of sweat you get, although you have to kind of force yourself to, to, you know, try hard because you can kind of make the settings what you want. So, um, I don't know if you, you find that too, Steve, I know you've done some big bike races and I don't know how much stationary bike stuff you do, but, um, I assume, I assume you try to do something similar in the summers cause you don't play hockey. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I've done a couple of those charity races or charity bike rides that are like 70 kilometers. And my, my lead up to that is, is, you, you know, staying on the stationary bike. And then once it gets nice outside, taking the bike out. And one of the things you mentioned about, uh, like the beers tasting good after hockey. I think that's like one of the <laughs> best parts of kind of like working out or staying active or, you know, even playing sports with your friends is the after beers and, and just kind of like indulging. I don't know if it's, if it's all mankind or if it's just like men our age that kind of once you work out and you, you feel satisfied and then you're, you're, you're not as uh, guilty to take that beer in after and maybe, you know, maybe that beer will turn into two or three, who knows, but um, yeah. It's definitely definitely a nice feel to to keep keep rocking and you know as we get older we got to just do more like you when you were talking there you mentioned like 10 different exercises that you do on a regular basis so yeah those are all good things no you're absolutely right like uh, like you said steve you got to set that base and like i don't know what i'd do if we didn't have baseball right like it's just it's a huge it's the biggest part of my summer you know, for social and getting out. And I know we've all said it, like we wouldn't see half the guys or at least half as much if we didn't have that commitment uh, going through the summer. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I envy teams like the Brow. Like I, th- I, I think that's something to aspire to do to like a group of guys that are like in their 50s, 60s. I know Gary is, I think he's 70 um, and he's still playing, he's still kicking, still yelling at umpires and getting the calls. But, <laughs> <laughs> Ron, you know, do you know how long that team's been active, or at least oh, like that core well, that team's been active? I like through different teams, but yeah, like probably probably from like the eighties till now, like you know, thirty-five. Well, years. yeah, because like Logan and Joe have that picture where they're kids together, right, on the bench or whatever. Yeah, yeah, Joe was beating on Logan pretty good. <laughs> <as I recall. laughs> But that's got to be a nearly thirty-year-old, thirty-year-old picture where there's their, their kids on the bench watching their dads play ball. That, yeah, pretty cool. That, I think you're definitely right. That's something to aspire to, right? Is is sticking it out long enough to to carry on a legacy like that, and, and even show our yeah. kids to keep doing it, right? I would love 
like our our baseball league has tremendous stats and i would love for like the top 10 list and games played to be all los vampiros one day i think that'd be so cool just for the longevity we were tier four for life we joke about it but it's true and i don't know i think it's gonna yeah. happen it's only Ron, have you ever looked at that time. list like we've for been playing sport. 13 years now so uh, you know some of us could be up of like 200 games right yeah oh yeah 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 like you're on there there's a good sprinkling for sure i think uh yeah depending on that no we've we've got some good representation i love it sure. um stevie buddy like you're working out still are you still like lifting when you go to the gym or it's just some calisthenics yeah i'm just trying to get I, I would like to say I am, but now it's like, you know, I, I can still squat two plates, but I haven't touched three plates in Frankenstein legs. Probably pre pandemic maybe. So I wouldn't I wouldn't say I'm working out heavy, but still doing those core movements, you know, bench press, squats, deadlifts to to keep the strength up, but nice. I do find it's getting a little bit harder. Like, I don't know if it's the elasticity in my muscles or body is changing, but when I do those lifts, I am sore for like four days whereas when we were younger i was sore for a day or two yeah. now it's just last forever yeah. and Oof. it feels good to do those exercises but the recovery is a long time so i i can't do those like during the summer from playing baseball i can't be sprinting after squatting you know within a couple of days uh, so not as heavy as i'd like but i'm still doing a little there's bit. no judgment coming from here i think i did uh i think i did 95 on the bar for um some front squats the other day and i i had a hard time walking for two days so uh <laughs> like and yeah and i'm not going to tell you how many how many reps i did or sets i did because even that's yes. going to be just as embarrassing but uh you know it's it's kind of like you said like you don't do these exercises at a high level for a long time and it, it does it makes you pay for a couple of days and, and you really feel it but um I guess it's kind of like you said, Steve, from your, the advice from your buddy at work, like if you make it a habit, you take care of yourself now, cause we are, we are probably at our busiest, right? Like our thirties and early forties are probably our absolute busiest. Yeah. And if we can figure out a way to, to manage our time and take care of ourselves and, and do the things that still bring us joy, but keep us in shape, at least fitting into our clothing, uh, across my fingers. Um, it, it it's going to pay dividends later when we're when we're hopefully the brows age, right, Ron? And and trying to mm -hmm. trying to keep competing when we're you or know, when or when we're moving huge beams into houses. Holy shnikes. <laughs> Yo, Branco, Steve, do you know the specs on that beam? Let's talk about weightlifting here. Uh, oh, this is this is great, Ryan. I think I think that beam was five fifty. Uh, for the steel and the wood was 150. It had to be 700 pounds, if not more, with the fasteners. And so, Branco, Ryan, you gonna tell the story? Yeah, yeah. A 23 foot beam. I I show up and it's sitting on the front lawn as far from Ron's house as possible, and uh, <laughs> and it's all strapped with wood. And I didn't like. I knew it was 23 feet, but when you see it in person, Branco, it's so much longer than you imagine. <laughs> <laughs> And then that's what she said. <laughs> God damn. I wish I've never heard that before, but, uh, it'd be nice. And you don't even get a man of the year. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> There's no awards or anything. And to top it all off. Okay. So we humped this thing into the house 
only managed to break one valuable on the way and get it, you know, on the lifts and it's ready to go up in the air. And don't I have to run to like a kid's birthday party across the street? I got to disappear before Alex, who's going to show up after all the work's done <laughs> with the cold beers for everybody to drink. So I, I didn't even get to reap the benefits, Frank. So I, we, the four of us, me, Steve, Ron, and Connor, humped that thing into the house three feet wow, at a time. for you. That's that's 155, what, 175 pounds of man. That's It was, it was good. That's a and lot. It was awkward. It was awkward. Yeah. Good for you. But yeah, I I'll, like my parting note on that, just the, the importance of the physical health is that what I've realized is it doesn't take as much time as you think, like just to get 20, 30 minutes of just, you know, get in there, get your heart rate up, move some weight around. It doesn't even have to be a ton, but it just makes all the difference. And every time I do it, I'm like, I feel so good. And the more you do it, the better you feel. And it takes a while to get into a habit I find is the most difficult, but eventually when you get in the groove and you just, you know, force yourself to find the times, it, it's so good. The food tastes better. The coffee's fresher. I don't even like everything's better. So, um, to all our listeners and all our friends, you just make it, make it an effort and it, it'll pay, pay, uh, yeah. pay dividends for sure. Yeah. Branks, you nailed it with that, that good feeling leaving the gym. Like I've gone to the gym sour so many times, worked out for 30 minutes and I just <laughs> feel like a new person after. Yeah. yeah. The food tastes better, man. The, oh, honestly, yeah. the food tastes so good. You don't feel like a slob and. I feel like maybe even just that top layer of like grime on you just kind of sweat it off, you shower it off and you just feel so good. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I love it. I think on that, we're going to throw to our first break guys. That's a, that's a good way to close it out. There, Branks. We could have used, we could have used you for moving a beam though. That would have worked for 15 or 20 minutes of hard work. <laughs> with my, with my history, it wouldn't have worked out well. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, this is break number one. We'll be right back with you with segment number two. Just a quick one here, guys. If you're liking what you're hearing and enjoying our podcast, hit that share button and send it over to a friend of yours. See if they like it too. Leave us a short review before the end of the episode. We have some more exciting projects dropping in May. Stay tuned here at the pod or check out our Instagram at Grasscutter Social Club for more. Now back to the boys to wrap this thing up. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're back with you for segment two. And this time, we've just had Canada Day or the 4th of July, depending on where you are. And the fireworks are coming in hot and heavy. There are these little trashy stands up and down Maryville Road and, and all over the place selling uh, selling these <laughs> fireworks out of the back of their vans, etc. And... and what we're wondering is, is, is it worth it to put all this effort in for something that can blow your fingers off or at least at least take some eyebrows off before uh, before you got to go to work on Monday? Um, I've got a couple of tall tales I could share, but do any of you have some strong opinions about, uh, about these fireworks that are kicking around on these big days? Uh, I got to say off the bat, like I... Like it was July 4th, like, I don't know, wake up, look at my phone. And like, one of the first things I saw on Instagram was a comedian saying like, today, someone is going to have their last day with all 10 fingers. <laughs> and it's true. Like, it's just something about it. Like, I've never, I've never seen the huge appeal, like to set it up my own. Like, I'll 
I enjoyed the Canada days, but doing like my own setup or setup in a park, like I just, I haven't had that urge to ever do that. And then I find like, there's, like you said, they're everywhere, all the shops to buy them. So like, it's not just Canada day night, there's fireworks. It's like the whole weekend, like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, even like after that, it's just everybody's neighborhood's got fireworks going off at any, any time of the day. So. I don't know. I'm never sad when it's over and <laughs> and we move on past that stuff. Thanks. Does the Steel Town do something for you guys? Is there a big show? We weren't here because we, we were in Chicago, uh, but I just, I can't, I mean, when I was younger, it was kind of a bigger deal, especially like in my late teens, you know, you get high or whatever and go watch fireworks on Canada with your friends or whatnot, but uh, you said, is the juice worth the squeeze? And it decidedly for me is not worth the squeeze because it's like, I don't, it's like loud and, you know, sure. It's like visually spectacular, but like, I don't know. It just seems like a whole thing. And then especially if you wanted to do it on your own, that's like a, a threshold that I've yet to cross or even be anywhere where somebody's had like a small display because yeah, on one hand, so much can go wrong and then it's probably expensive uh it just it just doesn't track for me uh i I, we were talking about the in the production show like i've seen a couple of those uh drone uh displays and those are pretty neat like they can do some pretty cool stuff with that with the changing colors and so i find maybe maybe the new thing is like drone shows (laughs) but uh I'm I'm not really sure. I'm I'm really sold on fire fireworks anymore. Uh, it doesn't seem worth it anymore, boys. The the one exception, and Steve, I know you. We I think we've all seen this is fireworks after a baseball game. A lot of teams do that. That is actually that's enjoyable because you're just sitting, staying in your seat. You're already pretty toasted from the game anyway. Well, <laughs> it's like a private private fireworks show to celebrate the win. But yeah, Brankson, I agree. Like. You know, fireworks are cool, but, you know, there's, I don't know if it's like a novelty thing. It wore off as a kid, but it's big crowds. It's loud. It's a short display, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and you're spending all that time getting down there. It's just not something that, that I love. And even, I don't know if this is a pandemic thing or I'm just realizing it now, but all the fireworks in the area, like, you know, everyone's doing the big celebration fireworks from their backyard or from the close, uh, you know, field near their house. And I, I just not with it. And I don't know if it's because I'm getting old or as I'm a dog owner or whatever, I just don't like it. <laughs> oh, Steve. Okay. This is my get off my lawn <laughs> moment, I guess. Cause like I haven't had many of these and, and maybe you guys can attest if you've had many, but like to, to jump out of your house and, and go wild on somebody. I almost did on Canada day. Cause the university kids that rent the house across the street, I guess went to one of these, you know, cheap stands and they bought some box of Roman candles or whatever. And they just set it up at the end of their driveway. So basically the end of their driveway and the end of my driveway, and they're shooting these fireworks, maybe 70 feet in the air and they're popping off and exploding. But it's basically like one at a time, every 20 or 30 seconds, for like 25 minutes so like after like after like 15 minutes i'm standing in the kitchen watching these idiots and then i'm spending 10 minutes like trying to hold myself to the counter like don't run out there and yell at them don't 
be crazy. Like, yes, your kids are asleep, but they're also still asleep. They haven't woken them up yet. But as we inched towards a half an hour, I was literally like hand on the door handle. Like, I'm going to do this. Like, if they wake my kids up with these random ass fireworks every 20 seconds, it's not organized. They don't even care. (laughs) You could tell watching from the kitchen window, they didn't even like it anymore. They just had them. So they had to keep like shooting them off. And they were feeling exactly like we're talking about. The juice wasn't worth the squeeze anymore, but they'd spent the money on all these fireworks and they just had to do it. And I was seething. And it took me a good hour and a half to calm down after that. Like I just couldn't believe, I couldn't believe that they were just like firing off all these fireworks, like 40, 50 feet from my kid's bedroom window. I was losing it. Just, I I managed to hold it together. I didn't go out there but steve i was real close it was it was getting me hot and bothered under the car ryan if you sure. pulled your neighbors i guarantee 50 percent of those homeowners were doing the same thing they were at their door just itching to go out wanting to say something but they knew it was canada day they didn't want to spoil the mood yeah i can i bet you're right i haven't asked anybody but i can almost guarantee because they I'm not the only one with young kids. Like it's a pretty good mix in this neighborhood and they're, they're the only university age kids. I, the one thing I will say is when we were in our twenties, we didn't mind going down on Canada day because as much as it's going to be like, it, it is, it's a hassle to get down there because it's such a jam job and everybody in the entire city there is doing it. There's a hundred thousand people going down to parliament for Canada day, but we were young. Right. You wanted to be around people. You wanted to be in the thick of the party. You wanted to, you know, go down to the market or or walk up and down Spark Street and see all the people and see all the crowd and the characters and and kind of do, you know, can we sneak some booze? Can we smoke a little? Can we, you know, what can we do while we're down there? And and it was fun while we were young. But like, I imagine that if I were to go down with my kids now, I'd be one of those guys that was glaring at all of us on the bus, right? Like, oh, you wouldn't go uh, down. You wouldn't go down at night with your kids. No, there's no, that would be a nightmare. But people did do it. Like, and Oof. I remember them glaring at us. Like, uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't think the juice is worth the squeeze. No, uh, but- it's... Sorry, I wanted to add that was that's another reason I kind of like don't really care for them anymore is now that I have a son and like when he was a baby, I mean he's still like really small, but when he was like really small like a baby, when people were setting him off, they like I was afraid they would wake him up and I was like, God, like just shut those damn things off. Like I hope this like five or six like set of um fireworks that you purchased like won't wake my son up because I hope he gets sleep so I can get sleep. So I've totally turned into like a old man yells at cloud sort of situation or i just don't want anything disturbing my peace <laughs> on account of like these some kids trying to have fun with fireworks so uh that's maybe also why i'm like like kind of like down on fireworks as a as an like kind of like a thing to do on, on all special holidays mm-hmm. <laughs> you and me like, both franks you and me that, both. and they're so much more accessible now like when we were young i feel like they were hard to get and so when somebody had them, it was like a big deal. I've literally, like, I don't, I remember. I mean, like, I, like, that's the thing to me is like, I don't even know how much easier it is now, but it sure sounds like it is a lot easier. Yeah. Ron, you say hard to get. We've, <laughs> we've had some Roman candle fights running through the woods where we're shooting Roman candles at each other. Like, 
who who was it that shot Paul? Poor yeah, it was me. It was me. Yeah, yeah. And that <laughs> yeah, was an accident. You, that was you the, shot him. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Oh, Paul. I mean, we were in his right backyard. I remember it, and I was on the top of his deck, and we were shooting. I was shooting, like, <laughs> I was just like shooting them in different spots. And then I don't know for whatever reason, I think I was just trying to buzz him, go right by. I, I wasn't trying to shoot him. Paul, Paul would think otherwise. Oh, guaranteed you're trying to right shoot him. Don't lie to us. <laughs> I, I mean, he shouldn't have been standing there, but I mean, here we are. Anyway, he how took far it, away he took was he, Ron? Good, was he was he ten feet, six feet? Yeah, probably ten, fifteen feet, right off the chest. <laughs> and, yeah, he wasn't wearing a shirt. He never did back then. So, <laughs> nah, who needs a shirt? Now? Okay, I'm pretty certain that night was like Dave Crane bought brought his wife or his like his or his girlfriend is now wife to meet us and there was like naked man wrestling followed by fireworks fights on the back of his like deck is that the right is that the that's it i think that's that was that was one of our most debaucherous (laughs) nights i don't know who fought dave right who who was he fighting in that naked man it was was me it was you was yeah that was me i was butt ass naked uh wrestling around with him on the back lawn and then uh i think there was also a bench press competition in the basement like there was just a laundry list we crammed we crammed about 18 stories into that one night so there was the the naked man fight and then i think adam nicholson ex-cfler did a bench press competition in the basement and blew everybody away by doing like 27 (laughs) Uh, presses at like two plates or something like that and then you shot paul in the chest with roman candles and then i think we all somehow managed to get dressed and actually go to a bar that night but it was uh that was an evening to remember for sure evening hey random thought random thought here totally just popped into my head but like paul's house was very much like the hangout house in, in high school and his folks were always just so accommodating like we just walked in the door like they always had delicios and paul would always like cook up some food like do you see your do you think you could be that mom and dad and have your kids and all their all their ungrateful friends over day in day out like that like i don't know if i could <laughs> if i'd actually be like that i'm not sure i think it's you know what time I will think, um because I, I look at Paul's house and Connor's house as the two locations. Yeah. Right? Sure. And like Mark lived close and Logan lived close, but it was very clear that it was like, no, we're going to Paul's or we're going to Connor's. Mm-hmm. Like one of those mm-hmm. two spots. And to your point, Ron, the one thing I will say about putting up with all that bullshit, because we did like there, there was endless amounts of bullshit, right? There, there was cuts and blood and trip to the hospital. And, <laughs> and it was just countless how we had to lean on, on some of these parents to, to save our asses when we did stupid shit. Uh, I will say that those four people, those four adults probably had the best idea of what the fuck we were in, into. Yeah. Right? Like they would have, they would have known if we were, they would have known if we were doing hard drugs or crazy things right like they would have known if we were stealing from people or if we were 
uh, you know, doing B and E's that are because some we know people that were stealing cars. We know people that were whoa, selling not our, we know people, not, not, none of us. Don't suggest no, that. not in our group, but in our high school. Yeah, and, sure, and sure. hide and hiding that stuff from their parents and keeping that stuff from their family. I mean, and, Cameron was banned, right? Cameron was banned from Paul's house for a little <laughs> while. <laughs> are you are you being serious right now? Why was Cam banned? Steve, I, I we can't we can't get into that, but. I, yeah, I might have been say, over some drugs. <laughs> I I will say that um, that I think I would rather be that parent and have every idea of like, okay, they're doing this crazy stuff and that's pretty crazy and it's it's I can see how it's fun for them, but it's not dangerous, yeah. right? And it's not. Yeah. See, I'd like to of, think I'd like to think I could do that, but I don't actually know if I could. I might just lose my shit too much often, and then no one would come over anymore. <laughs> oh, you got you got girls. You're fine. yeah. What are yes. they? What are they gonna do? Uh, they're gonna they're gonna eat your food and they're gonna make a mess of your bathroom and they're gonna talk a lot. You'll be. Uh, I don't know. Well, we'll find out, I guess. But who knows? <laughs> Whereas us boys, we were putting holes yeah. in things and fucking cutting things to ribbons and smashing things. And I'm I'm actually surprised we never dropped those weights through Paul's dad's deck in the backyard. <sighs> because that we was so sweet weights up to the deck those were the best <laughs> just tarps off just all of us working out like you do like one max set and then wait 20 minutes for your next <laughs> it's a well-constructed deck it's an incredible setup it's like a commercial gym gym quality barbells dumbbells all the incredible. weights all the everything was amazing it's a great place to work out Ron, that's like speaking of the first segment we had. What a difference we used to be. Like you just wait twenty minutes just to rip three hundred pounds in your back, and then just sit and just hang around like a team suit to do one more set just exactly. like that, and then call it a day. And now we're like doing. Now we're not even touching weights. We're like stretching, maybe lifting a five, ten, fifteen pound barbell to do some stuff, and then calling it a day. That's so hilarious. <laughs> It's a long way. It's a long way from those days, and we're all grumpier for it. And none of us shooting fireworks or having any fun anymore. But <laughs> so good. All right, guys, we're gonna take our second break there, and we're gonna come right back with segment three. I I love how this is going, Steve. You're doing a great job, but we'll be right back for the rest of you in just a minute. Are you one of those lucky few people who get to hit the alarm clock snooze endlessly, not getting up and getting your day started? Do you wish you could jump out of bed? work out and get some stuff done be productive maybe well do we have a solution for you it's time to rent a kid these little gremlins will wreak havoc all over your home until you're forced to spring out of bed and stop them from destroying all of your valuables try it for a week or two build a new routine and all of a sudden your life and mornings will change for the better after your rent a kid term is up you'll be springing out of bed at any creak, crack, or noise. In fact, you'll probably never sleep soundly again. So Rent-A-Kid and get your morning routine started like you've been shot out of a cannon. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're back for segment three, and we are uh, talking about how how you go camping. Because so the, there's the three of us. We've got kids. Steve's got his dog and and um his beautiful girlfriend that he takes camping but like what i can't wrap my head around is i don't know about you guys ron and branks when i go to dinner at my parents place for three hours my car is full so 
the idea of like packing for like a three or four day weekend with uh, whatever I need to cook with, whatever we're sleeping on or in, uh, whatever the kids are going to do, as well as the general accoutrement that I need to supply them for the hourly entertainment. I, I think I'd need a trailer, but not like a physical trailer to stay in just to haul all the shit along with me. Uh, Steve, buddy, I don't know. Like, you're going to have to break this down. Camping. Why? Why? How? When? Where? Like, what are you thinking? Uh, what's the love here, man? Like, like, tell us oh, a little. Camping, camping is just one of those things that's like in my heart. You know, I grew up camping with, with my mom, my mom, uh, my brother and sister. And it's just one of those things that I've always enjoyed running away, skipping out of the city, getting to a campsite, setting up the tents, you know, I don't know, it like brings a rush um, to my soul and just, I enjoy it. And, and one of the best parts about camping is you give yourself the time. So like you have the time to take, to prepare a meal, take two hours, to prepare a meal. You have the time to read a book. There's not as many distractions. And that's one of the things that I enjoy more about camping as an adult is I'm like, I, if I go for two days or five days, I don't even have a cell phone and I can just be there for the time. And, and I think that's really special to kind of just reset and have that time. Whereas when you're in the city and you're living your regular life, you don't have the time. You're kind of just running from one thing to the next, to the next, and it just goes by in a flurry. But going back to what you said about having the car full. So one of my tricks and I, I, I camp heavy, like I like to bring a lot of stuff. I like having tools. I like having multiple tents. I like having all the, like just all the things you'd need for like a proper coffee, proper meal. So what I do is I actually fill the car up, you know, and obviously if I have my girlfriend with me, uh, she's there, uh, in the car. And so I have the two of us and then I have the dog in the back seat, and then the rest of it's filled with just junk, you know, like all your tents, all your <laughs> sleeping bags. And I don't even worry about food. I, I go to the campsite, I set everything up and then I go get food. Cause if I had to pack food in that car and I, I have a Jetta, you know, with a big trunk, but if I had to pack food in there and, and beer and ice, there's no way. And, and yeah, you'd need a trailer if you're doing a full family. And I think back to as, as kids, like my mom didn't have a big car and there was four. I have no clue how she did it. Oh and yeah. You guys, I, I, I camp differently now the, than she the did. The crew you though, went, went camping back in the day, the, the five of you. Oh yeah. Yeah. Many, many times. And, and we would go to campsites and my grandparents would be there, you know, uncles, we, we would do kind of like family outings. I, I don't know what it is. Like, it's just, and I find if you grew up camping, you like camping more. If you grew up going like, I don't know, I know Ron, you had family cottage and, and Ryan, you did as well. Franco, I don't know if you had a family cottage when you're younger, but you kind of get those like behaviors. So a cottage is way more comfortable so you want to go back to the cottage but i find that camping always has that just like spirit changing type of soul and i've gone camping by myself before uh and you know a couple days with just me and the dog and you do get a little bit fearful at night when you hear sounds and stuff but that's a that's a lot of alone time and i think it's just always nice to give yourself that peace and quiet that's that's my favorite part about it oh 
man, there's a lot there that you said that definitely resonates with me. Um, I kind of liked what you said about just time, you giving yourself time. And I, 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 I would like to camp with my kids. I have not done it yet, but I feel like that would be nice just to get that break from the city and everything else. And like, I think it's, you know, it's okay for kids to be bored and let them just go kind of find things to keep them entertained. And, and you never know what it'd be because when you're camping, it might be spontaneous. They're collecting rocks on a beach or, you know, what have you, they're building a, a teepee for a campfire later. Like that stuff sounds awesome to me, but, I feel like it would be hard not to bring everything in the kitchen sink. So you'd have to like be very mindful. Like your prep is so important in camping. And that's what I heard from you too. Like you are filling your car to the gills and you've done it enough times, you know exactly what you need. But like, I'd be terrified for the first camping trip too, but I like everything that's in there. What you said, I, I, I will try it. And I liked we didn't camp a lot when I was growing up, but we did a few tent trailer camping excursions. We went out east and we went out to PI and like awesome memories. Love doing that. So I, I, I'd love to do that. Yeah, again. I'm kind of in the middle. Like there was the part of like what Steve said that like resonated with me. Like I, the meals obviously are like something that stands out and just, you know, uh, typically like the, the sunsets are always spectacular in the water, what have you, <laughs> but like the uncomfortable sleep, the bugs, like the, you know, like having to wake up at the crack of dawn as soon as the sun's up, like those things, I just can't make peace with those things. And like, yeah, like I could probably tolerate it, but I'm just not enjoying myself. And that's the issue that I have. And, and then layering in kids, um, you know, there's just things I would rather do than camp or like, obviously if my kids really wanted to camp, I would make an effort and, you know, like suck it up. But I feel like I would try a few other things before sending myself off to the wilderness. That being said, there's also like levels to it, right? Like when I think of camping, I, would, I always think of like canoeing and like being somewhere far from civilization, but there is like, you know, you can work your way up to that. You can go to like a campsite that's not so remote and has maybe some more amenities or like a less tough in it. But um, yeah, it's it's a hard it's a hard sell for me. And, and like you said, Steve, it's not something I grew up with, which is I think another reason that I probably don't really care for it as much. You know, I've, <clears throat> probably my my earlier days in Canada, like I did do go go to some cottages, which I found really fun, but like the camping and I, I can't think of like a standout camping ex experience so maybe that's part of it as well so uh i'm out <laughs> I, I will say like it does now that now that i've got kids and you hear people with kids say it often i don't know if you guys have but i've, I've heard it but like you need a vacation from your vacation and i feel like uh sometimes if you were to go camping and you've got the kids, you've got all that stuff and you've got all the questions and all the hassles, it, it just seems like a lot on your plate. So I do have this, like, I guess voice in the back of my head saying like, go camping with the kids. Then you can have a vacation from your vacation. And it's like, I don't want to do that. But I, I did have it, you know, three ways. I was very spoiled. Um, 
my grandparents cottage was Dunrobin in Dunrobin and like 35 minutes door to door <laughs> from anybody's house to anybody's cottages just ridiculous right like we'd go up on a Wednesday night just to go swimming and then we'd pack up and go home at nine o'clock because 35 minutes door to door is just there's no reason not to and so we had it really really good uh it wasn't a nice cottage by any by any means it was um a quick rundown it was two very ancient uh hydro sheds like from the 1900s uh slapped back together to form one structure and then had a very simple kitchen but it was it was a place sort of like what branco said to get away from the bugs and to warm up after you went swimming and that was all we needed right like it was it was dry we could cook we could clean we could uh keep some clothes up there and some blankets up there and it was easy and then I was a fair weather camper because I did the Boy Scouts. I don't know any of you guys Boy Scouts or Beavers or any of that stuff. Yeah, I did Boy Scouts and Beavers, but I didn't do many, many years. Did I think you, I stopped yeah. when I was about ten or so. Okay, so I did it. I did it till I was like uh, probably fourteen, just before we got part time jobs at McDonald's <laughs> and all that. Um, but I was a fair weather camper because I would do the summer one and the fall one and the spring one. But some of these psychos would do the winter one, and I was like, nah, I'm not. <laughs> camping in the what are you talking about camping in the winter like that is a thin piece of nylon that is separating all of us from negative 20 degree weather and they're like no you just dig a hole and then you put it in the snow and then you pack snow around it and i'm like no that that all sounds absolutely bananas so i i absolutely (laughs) never did and i never got that badge and it was kind of a point of pride like they would the the leaders or whatever would bug me like oh come this year you can get your winter camping badge. And it's like, no, no, I'm, I'm not doing that. Um, and then my last little story is my parents and Steve, you might give a little nod at this, but like we had the cottage, so we didn't have the stuff for camping. And I remember one year they were like, oh, we're going to go camping at Wasaga beach. Right. So that we can all see Wasaga beach, this big, huge beach in Ontario. And it's beautiful there. And we show up to the campsite, dad unpacks the tent. I'm pretty sure he had to leave for an hour just to swear and curse and just lose his mind. But he unpacks the tent and the fly's <laughs> not there, Steve. Like the... <laughs> so it's just the tent with like the bare opening. And <laughs> we have like a cooking tarp. <laughs> like, and it started raining and like, it's just, it's all going very, very sideways for this, what was supposed to be like a nice weekend at this very nice spot. <laughs> and and that's my one like family camping trip memory where it just like, it came unraveled so quickly. And I think, <laughs> I think my old man had to take a, a good long break from us for a few minutes because he was just seeding, just steaming. I think also, like, I would probably have a good time with somebody like Steve, who's like an experienced camper. Like, if I just, you know, let Steve take the lead and like organize everything and like he knows how to like camp and do everything well, I'd probably like enjoy it a lot more. I think part of the camping experience I've had is probably from the uh, inexperience of everybody around me doing the camping part or whatever. And uh, that's probably why I'm bitter. So, I think if I were to do it with somebody like Steve, who knows what's up, I think he'd probably, you know, show me a good time or he'd just get me so drunk. I didn't even like remember anything that happened. So one or the other. You got to do both for sure. Okay. 
a few of the things that I wanted to say. So like camping, just, just picture like a, a late August day where it's still like 25 degrees sunny during the day and it gets to like 10, 15 at night, cool enough. So when you, there's no bugs, you can set your tent up, you can sleep in, you have like a proper mattress, not like obviously an air mattress, but a nice comforter. You wake up and you just, you know, you have time, you make some French press coffee, you go out, you look on the lake. I love camping like kind of on those remote sites okay. that you don't bring your car and you kind of walk from your car a little bit, maybe 150 feet or something. And so you just have like more privacy and space. And it's just that, that feeling of like waking up refreshed because you, it's cool at night, you know, you slept, there was no bugs bothering you. That's you wake up and enjoy coffee. That's, that's, that's beautiful to me. That's just the best. He's, he's going to sell Branco before the yeah. end of this episode for sure. <laughs> Yeah, 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 I'm just so fair weather, man. In everything I do, I just <laughs> if yeah. it's not in between the temperatures of like 17 and 23, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Steve, have you ever done the winter camping? Like I was explaining with that Boy Scouts shit. No, no, never did it organized. We did it obviously at Manday back when we were crazy, crazy kids. You know, whatever, 20 years old, we camped. I was like December 20th. It was minus 20. Yes. I, I remember waking up with Jamie just shivering and he was living in Chicago at the time he rolled up to a campsite in December with khakis and like a sleeping bag that was paper thin. The, the poor guy just totally unprepared. And that was my only experience. And that was too cold. That was and too many beers too cold. Yeah. Yeah. No you're good. not going to insulate yourself with alcohol at that one. That's tough. Well, all right, guys. I Let's try and keep this on the rails. I think we're going to wrap this up tonight with uh, some fat stats. We're going to go back to it instead of some get off my lawn. But I got I got some fat stats for you guys. Yeah, give me tonight. this fat stat. Let me just pull these up because I don't want to make a mistake. So we're, we were talking about the MLB All-Star game and, like, how Ron was excited for the All-Star game. And, and I had mentioned uh, that there was some year in the 90s where it was considered the best – accumulation of all-stars in history and i found it it's the 1997 mlb all-star game for the american and national league so it's not just one of the teams it's both teams uh and i did some deep diving i found some weirdo <laughs> who franks you're gonna you might have to explain what war is but war is wins above replacement so it essentially stacks you up against every other player in the league at your position and what this guy did was he he accumulated the war so the wins above replacement for every player that's ever played in an all-star game ever up until 2015 and then he picked from those statistics which team was the best and how they would play if they played 162 games against every other all-star team and the cool part about 1997 is that that's the only year where both the AL and the NL teams were in the top 10. The AL was ranked number nine and the NL was ranked number 10. So they weren't the, the best teams ever, but there was the only game where both teams uh, were in the top 10. And there was only two other years to have both teams in the top 50. And those years were uh, 72. The AL was ranked number eight and the NL was ranked 37. And 2013, the NL was ranked 30th and the AL was ranked 49th. But to have two in the top 10 is unbelievable. Listen to this roster. 
there's 19 Hall of Famers, uh, two more guys that are still on the ballot to be voted in, and then there is four who I would consider Hall of Famers, but are going to be steroid exclusions. So there was Cal Ripken, Roger Clemens, yeah, Edgar Martinez, Roberto Alomar, Randy Johnson, Ken Griffey Jr., Frank Thomas, uh, Pudge Rodriguez, Jim Tome, Tome, uh, Alex Rodriguez, Mariano Rivera, Nomar Garcia Parra, Mark McGuire, and that is just the AL. And then in the NL, you had Tony Gwynn, Barry Larkin, Barry Bonds, Greg Maddox, Tom Glavin, Larry Walker, Craig Biggio, Kurt Schilling, Mike Piazza, Pedro Martinez, Chipper Jones, and Jeff Bagwell. Like, these lineups were absolutely stacked. And I don't think you're going to see another game like the 97 ML. Like, don't worry. We're all excited about the All-Star Weekend, but we're not seeing another one like 97. No. What do you guys think? There's, and, like, the, the guys that you didn't mention, there's a bunch of, like, Hall of Very Good, uh, like Galarraga, Kevin Brown. Uh, uh, who else did I see that that stood out to me? Like Moises Alou is really good. Kenny Lofton. Ken Caminiti. Uh, yeah, Ken <laughs> Caminiti. Yeah, and uh, Albert Bell and uh, Paul O'Neill, and I saw Bernie Williams. Like those guys are not Hall of Famers, but they're like Hall of Very Good. Like they're like kind of right there at the cusp where they had more than like a couple of good years, but not enough to sustain over a whole over a whole uh career but yeah like you're you're right ryan like just looking at it it's like kind of like my brain is just fried from just like all the good guys that are on there and some like hilarious names too also like a denny nagel lefty pitcher steve finley like chuck knoblock like how did how the hell did he make that team he that must have been like his best year ever like (laughs) Uh, I will say about Chuck Knobloch, he's got an all-time sports name. Like yeah. Just that sports name, right? You can't forget Chuck Knobloch. And he, and he had the yips. Like, he, he famously had the yips. Like, to- couldn't throw the ball from second base. Yeah. Uh, and totally lost it at the end of his career, I'm yeah. pretty sure. But he was great. I mean, this is so nostalgic for me. Like, I, this is my favorite era of baseball. And, like, you have to understand how cool the all-star game was in the 90s because you couldn't watch these guys play. It's not like today you could just stream any game. Like these names, this was the only time of the year where you got to see them all in one place on one day, really. Like you'd watch the Jays, you know, you'd see them, like you'd watch Jays games, but this is the only place you'd see all these all-stars together. And it's right around my birthday every year. I love the all-star game and just, this roster, like I know, I know, I can think of details on every single one of these players, except maybe a couple that I don't quite remember, uh, man. But like, yeah, that it's just uh, Ken Caminiti, Branko. We've talked about him before. Like, just the peak, peak of like his his best was so good for so short. Oh, I just there's nothing. Yeah, like there's it. only a very Probably like Justin Thompson and Jose Rosado and Jason Dixon. Like I've never heard of those. Oh, guys. I remember Jose Rosado, uh, man. He was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I gotta say, like out of all the All Star games, and like Branco, you're sort of a wider sports guy, like with hockey and basketball, maybe than me. But 
Um, I think I think the home run derby may be the best special event, right? Like uh, the three point competition, the dunk contest might come close. The hardest slap shot in the hockey might come close, but like I don't know. I feel like there's something to be said about watching two hundred balls, right? Because like the accumulation of all of these guys just smacking home runs, but watching two hundred balls get hit four hundred to 500 feet long it it would be it would blow your mind yeah and i will say that that the other thing that about this 97 era that really sort of um deluded me because i saw a bunch of highlights of sammy sosa hitting like 520 foot bombs 535 in an all-star game is that i just thought like oh that's a normal thing for a man to do a man should walk up to the home to home plate and smash a ball 500 feet and like now i've realized like oh my god hit a ball 500 feet that's like three times the distance i could possibly <laughs> hit it like, it's, it's funny it's funny that he's not on this team sammy sosa yeah Derek jeter is also not have... on the list and i was surprised about that oh yeah yeah because the, the the year after was the the like the the summer of the home runs it was like 90 98 i think is the year that mark mcguire yeah. broke the record but that that late 90s american league they must have a rod must be on this yeah, list yeah he's down he's and, down in the red yeah they have nomar nomar garcia like back then jeter was in his second or third year obviously right. a superstar already but garcia Parra was better than him back then and A-Rod yeah. is just legend. All I think like, there's just no room for him. You know? Do you remember that? And the SNL skips like, Nomar! It was like a... a, a oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. What's his name? Fallon. That was like his whole bit. Uh, and like, yeah, he was super famous. He had like a couple of really, really big years. And then I think he got like derailed by injuries. Because back then when you like tore an ACL, it wasn't like as simple as it is these days in recovery, in terms of recovery. I mean, it's never simple. But like if you got a torn ACL back then, like it was like almost like a death sentence for your career. Yeah. And Steve, buddy, you think think if you had to take 10 pitches BP style (laughs) in an all-star game, you think you could put one over the fence? Oof. Absolutely not. No? Oh, I think he can. I, I mean, what are they, 325, 3, 3, 340 yeah. maybe on that porch at, on the right side? I think you get a hold of one. Maybe not in some 10 of the parks. Maybe not with a crowd. Obviously, that'd be a lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that would get you shaken too, yeah. It's like when, when you guys say those names, I'm, I'm just totally pitching, like picturing McGuire and Bonds with just like the ripped shirts and their biceps like just like coming out of their shirt and they're just there to hit the home run. So they don't care if they're going to strike out or hit the home run. That's all I picture. So jacked. So jacked. I've seen, Um, I've seen this to my friend about steroids. Like it's not even that like they were doing them. It's just like, be honest about it. You know, like that's the problem that gets me. Cause the first time I was talking to about like, like performance enhancing drugs was in in relation to biking, like the tour to tour de France is going on. And like, we were kind of like talking like whether we think it's, it's a cleaner race now or like than it used to be. And like, honestly, I don't really care if they're doing it as long as I know that everybody's doing it, like just come out and be like, yeah, we're all like doing something, you know? But it's just the, the the shrouded in secrecy part that you don't know. Then you just 
you can't really figure out whether it's like a good result or not. But then what I come back to is that it's a business, right? Like they don't want to expose their business to like, you know, it's like admitting that you have a drunk at work that like works there, you know, like you're, you don't want to admit that there's a guy like kind of doing it in a nefarious way. Like I think selling it as like a fair and even competition is, is probably better for the marketing part of it anyways. But um, yeah, just to say like, I just wish they were more open and front about it. And I still can't believe those guys like Bonds and Clemens aren't in the hall of fame because it's such hypocrisy um that those guys aren't in but other guys that might have done it might have not done it are in there and like everybody was doing it back then like it's not like they were they were just the best at doing it while they were like juiced to the gills so like why are we keeping them out you know anyways yeah i think i think what ruined it franks and you can agree or disagree with me but like wasn't there like three or four guys that they were they were good players but nothing like they weren't certainly top of the league, and then in contract years, it, they skyrocketed. Like there was a, a second baseman for the Yankees that all of a sudden had a huge jump, and then didn't Trevor Bauer take a huge jump in his contract year? Oh, and then signed a fat contract, Cano. and it would get exposed that they were they were juicing in their contract year, right? And like so, they had this huge, you know, exceptional year in a in a contract year when they're looking to sign that big that big deal and they didn't care if they sat 80 games like 80 games when you sign a, a 100 200 million dollar contract doesn't matter oh in the grand scheme of things right so like, that was kind of the the idea who was the guy for the yankees um well i think he was he was the one after jeter he, yeah was it Cano? Was not okay. till i think it, when he was in seattle he got pinched like Seattle really took that on the chin. He was a pure Hall of Famer every year of his Yankees uh, career, and then yeah, went to Seattle. Might have had one good year, then kind of fizzled, and then yeah, got caught. Yeah, with steroids. Yeah, you wonder. That about doesn't that. really bother me as much, just because like I don't know. Like uh, I, I guess maybe like now it bothers me more when God, but guys get caught now. Whereas back then, like everybody was doing it. It was like a, you know, there was like an omerta. Like everybody knew everybody was doing it. And like the frigging commissioner knew they were doing it. And he was like, you know, his, the league was more successful than it ever was on account of these guys just hitting ball, like balls, like to the frigging moon. And, you know, he's out of the game. He's like Bud Selig's now in the hall of fame thought of as like one of the great commissioners, but like, he did it on the backs of these guys that are like basically, you know, uh, been ostracized from baseball, uh, which isn't really fair. Like the fact that Barrett Bonds isn't yeah, in the Hall of Fame is laughable because like he was amazing before he did steroids. He just took umbrage with the fact that guys like McGuire and uh, Sosa were doing it and hitting all these home runs. And he's like, watch if I do steroids, how many home runs I'm going to hit. And he just, yeah, he just blew it out of the water. But anyways, that's another story for another day. We don't have to, <laughs> we don't have to go down the well on this too no. far. The last thing I'll say is like, I think it was even more obvious in that era, that 97 era. And like two guys come to mind for that, like that contract year, like the stats that were just ridiculous. And first one is like maybe lesser known. And it was like, a, I 
uh, Todd Hundley was a catcher for the Mets who didn't really do much his first few years. And then he had like a 40 home run season, like out of nowhere. <laughs> it was just like, he looked huge. And then like Brady Anderson, and we've talked about Brady Anderson before for the Orioles. And like, I don't know that these guys ever admitted it or, uh, and Hey, it's all, yeah. I guess, uh, you know, assumption at this point, or maybe that's true, but <laughs> like they just, yes. the eye test, right? Like these yeah. guys are just gargantuan monsters when they show up in February for spring training with like these huge pipes and Brady Anderson hit 50 home runs in one of those late nineties seasons. Maybe he's even on this all-star roster, he, but the guy's an actual I animal. Think he is on this all-star roster, but yeah, yeah. there he is. He yeah. is on there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there are definitely some guys that took advantage of the juice to, to juice their pockets, which I, I I'm all right with. Yes, they uh, should. But, Wasn't you know against I, the rules back then. You're just, setting bad examples for kids with no talent doing a lot of gas trying to get talking there, but... about this sort of shows <laughs> like how the mechanics of baseball have changed or maybe the rules for the the home run derby have changed because i was just looking at the list of like the top guys for home run derby and like um vladdy's got 91 the guy hit 91 home runs in a single night like i i couldn't imagine twisting myself that quickly to smash a ball 420 feet 90 times that's crazy and then julio rodriguez had like 81 and pete alonso had like i think it's 74 and there's somebody else in the in the 70s but i was expecting i was expecting to see a, a mark mcguire a sammy sosa a barry bonds with like a big number on yeah, here the format yeah i guess the format has changed yeah it's it's yeah, it's time now. It used to be you have ten outs. I'm pretty sure. So if it's not a home run, that's an out. And now it's like you get like I don't They're know three ones. minutes or something or two minutes to whale as many balls as you can. But I'm always like, I'm I, I don't like it for like the the guys I cheer for, for in the instance of like Vladdy. Like because I feel like it, it's got to ruin with your like timing and because you're just swinging for the fences there's no technique you're just trying to whale the damn thing you know and then i feel like it, it must throw the guys off i don't know for sure that it does but I'm, I'm convinced that it can be good for their you know statistical season and i'm also thinking about my fantasy athletes uh that i have on my, t- <laughs> <laughs> on my team <laughs> like just please don't get yeah, it try and hold it together for the next half of the season you gotta yeah yeah, I need you to stay healthy till the end of the year so I can win this 300 bucks off my hands. So who's the top runner going into uh, the home run derby? This Franks season? is Franks is sitting on a razor's edge right now. I think he's uh, yeah he's sweating it out. What for the fantasy league, Steve? Fantasy as well as and then also the the who's what which athletes are going in there this year? Oh. I was just looking at it. Um, I think the best guy that's in there right now, I don't know who they had as the number one. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's number one seat. Yeah, they have, they have them seated or whatever, but um, it's all the guys you've heard of for sure. It's like bigger names, like Vlad's in it, Vladimir Guerrero, uh, Julio Rodriguez, that really Pete young guy in Seattle. Again. Like, Rushman, I think, is in it. This year. Yeah. Um, yeah, which Mookie I'm Bats, surprised yeah. about. Yeah. It's always... It, you always want to put the big star names out there, like guys with name yeah. recognition. But yeah, right now Branks is uh, is leading the fantasy pool, Stevie, and and I've I've conceded that I've lost a I've lost a bet nothing. to Ron Ron. 
basically made his goddamn money back for for this fantasy year off off of my back. What was the bet? Tell us. I I bet that I'd finish in front of him because he was really limping into the year, and then I, I made a trade with Logan because because uh, it was pretty clear that my year was over and I wasn't going to make a buck out of this league. So by making the trade with Logan, I I conceded that Ronald finished in front of me. You're building to the future. That's yeah. right. So I'll take that three hundred bucks down in the future, hopefully, and, and it'll all make <laughs> it'll all make these sour grapes taste a little better. All right, guys, we're going to wrap it up there, though, I think. And that's uh, what a night. What a what an episode. Steve, what a guest coming on and knocking it out of the park, so to speak. We we loved having you. I, at least I'm speaking for the others and easily saying I, I loved having you on. And what a great job you did, buddy. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Before we leave, though, I got to ask one question because I, I didn't realize you guys have the cameras up here. You guys... Where does this go? Are you guys going to do some video blogging at some point as a podcast to see everyone's pretty faces? It's it's tough at the moment. We can explore it. The problem, Steve, is like the editing process is very different than these videos. So um, hmm. it you, you probably have to pay for it too, and then we're, we're we don't want to do that. So. Yeah. Plus, <laughs> Yes. I, th- I, th- I think we. I think we need a more of a rem- revenue stream if we're gonna go down the, down the video uh, producing. Because uh, right now we're doing it for fun and adding that to the pile of list that Ryan already does. It se- doesn't seem quite fair. And none of us have faces that are gonna make us any money. <laughs> so <laughs> it's not as if. Uh, no. It's not as if there's any perks behind sticking our ugly mugs out there for the whole world to to point out the blemishes that uh, that they could easily find. So for now, uh, you boys aren't that ugly. For now, it's just uh, <laughs> it's just audio, but. You know what? Thanks for the compliment, buddy. We love you. Thank you for coming on. We appreciate having you here for uh, for our, our fourth inductee and in our fifth episode. This has been a blast. Ron, Branks, buddy. Thanks very let's, much. Uh, let's do it again sometime. Thanks, boys. Great, great app. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us today, guys. We hope you like what the Grasscutter Social Club is putting out there. We can't wait to see you guys again in about a month with a new inductee to the Grasscutter Social Club. If you enjoyed what you heard, be sure to like and subscribe to our podcast for any future updates and share with your friends who you think might also enjoy our pod. If you want to follow us on social media, check us out on Instagram at Grasscutter Social Club. Cheers, and until next time, take care.